0: The news from RTHK.
1: Good morning and welcome to Back Chat. I'm Jim Gould and Mike Rouse is guest presenter. Good morning, Mike. Good morning, Jim. On today's programme, we're talking about long covid the Chinese University Medical School has conducted what's described as Asia's largest population-based survey of the condition to understand the long-term effect on people's health. <coughs> Excuse me. The three years of the coronavirus pandemic have impacted us in different ways, physically and mentally, and on different levels. Among the findings of the survey, it's estimated that about 420,000 recovered COVID-19 patients suffer from sexual dysfunction and reproductive problems. We'll be finding out more from the experts and hearing about solutions or treatments. After 9.45, we'll be hearing from the Hong Kong Productivity Council about uh, international recognition that it's received for its technical innovations. Let us know what you think. If you want to get involved, you can leave a message on our Facebook page, Backchat on RTHK Radio 3. Email us <clears throat> at uh, backchat at rthk.hk or you can give us a call on two double three double 266. Joining us now in our Admiralty studio, we have uh, Dr. Raymond So, a respiratory medicine specialist, and also uh, on the line, we have uh, um, Ivan Hung, who's a clinical professor at the Department of Medicine at the University of Hong Kong. Um, I think we just have, uh, we just have uh, two guests for the time being. Um, <clears throat> um, um, Ivan Hung, good morning to you. So, um, a lot of people involved uh, in this uh, survey, it seems that the the numbers are larger. A a great many people appear to be still having um, at least one uh, symptom of COVID uh, um, several months after recovery. I mean, how serious is this long COVID problem?
2: Well, I think we have to interpret this kind of study uh, very cautiously, Mm. uh, because this is simply a survey study, and um, you you need basically to... Uh, by definition, as long COVID, it has to be like uh, a new symptom uh, three months from the symptom onset uh, and persisting for two months. So basically, you have to fulfill the definition to be defined as long COVID. And, and many people at baseline, they have these problems. For example, many of uh, these patients perhaps will have some uh, anxiety problem or even depression uh, or even. Uh, to a certain extent, maybe have some uh, kind of dysfunction uh, sexually. So we have to have the baseline data before we could draw any conclusion that this is you know, the real figure by doing this simple survey. Mm-hmm. So uh, we have to interpret this uh, data very cautiously. Mm-hmm. If you look at the, the UK data, um, the so-called long COVID uh, from UK studies is probably running around 2.8%. Uh, of the entire infected uh, COVID patients. So um, in Hong Kong, uh, we are we projected to have a lower incidence or prevalence of long COVID uh, based on the fact that we, uh, first of all, we have a much higher vaccination rate of three doses of 85% compared to 70% in the UK. Uh, and also that we have treatment we have early antiviral treatment for many of those who come down with the uh, COVID nineteen uh, infection, uh, and studies have shown that if you've been given the antiviral, um, you have a reduction of around thirty uh, percent in developing long COVID subsequently. So uh, I think in Hong Kong we will definitely have a much lower figure in long COVID uh, than uh, these data that are um, you know interpreted by, by these uh, survey studies. Mm.
3: Mm. Uh, no. Good morning, Professor. Um, to what extent is, the, is this a real problem or a, a, a personal perception problem?
2: Well, I, I think we have to do a much more comprehensive, uh, you know, follow-up studies. Uh, what we are in in uh, in HKU, we are currently, uh, you know, enrolling subjects from those who are being follow-up uh, in our uh, in our in our COVID clinic. Uh, and we have around five six thousand patients who are currently who have, uh, you know, previously hospitalised in Queen Mary and um, have, you know, have been followed up in our clinic. So hopefully we'll have those data coming out quite soon. Uh, because uh, if you know, you know, if you have been following these patients for a long period of time, then uh, you know these data will be much more robust right. than a simple survey
3: study. Because I, I saw some of the UK feedback was along the lines of, well, since COVID, I don't feel like going to work. You know, <laughs> people do get turned off work. Um, that's why I'm trying to nail down exactly. Whether-
2: so, so you know, um, you know, after like three years of pandemic, many people get used to working at home, or they, you know, have been right. getting used to uh, to Zoom. Assume- uh, and, and many people have difficulty in getting back to their usual lifestyle or the usual working habits, uh, and as a result, so many of them uh, develop problems in terms of anxiety in terms of uh, you know in terms of even depression uh, and, and many actually prefer working at home and not meeting anyone or, or not seeing right. any person so, so that that actually creates a problem and and, and that it's, it's not long covid it's simply a reaction or or failure to adapt to the changes.
3: Yes. Mm. I mean, I'm struck by the large number of people I see every day still wearing masks, sort of nearly two months after the mandate was dropped.
2: Uh, very much so. Uh, especially in outdoor environment that definitely doesn't need, you know, yes. wearing masks. Uh, but of course it's a choice, a personal choice, if right. it's indoor, if it's in public transport, then... Uh, especially now we have you know a, a, a so-called surge of uh, influenza and other respiratory viruses, then uh, it it will justify to to wear masks indoor in public transport. But apart from that, if you are outdoor, uh, if you are exercising,, yes. definitely
3: not no need to I was straight wear I, was on, I was on a launch mm-hmm. on Saturday um to outlying islands. was very lucky. It was a wonderful day out. The freshest air probably we've we've had for ages. Yes. And half of at least half of the people on board, young people, were wearing masks. So it's, it's clearly uh, a lingering fear, isn't it? Uh,
2: absolutely, absolutely. Which which is not scientifically not not justified. So um, you know, I think we have to uh, have more uh, education and, and uh, from the government and, and from perhaps the health that you know that uh, masking is. is is not necess- is no, no, it's not needed scientifically, not needed uh, in an
1: outdoor environment. Mm. Okay, uh, uh, Dr. Raymond So, good morning to you. Good morning. Uh, thanks very much for joining us. Uh, uh, so we're, we're still learning about uh, COVID and, and this phenomenon of long COVID. Um, w- where do you think we are in our knowledge of the condition? I mean, do, do, do we still need to sort of analyse uh, lots more data before we have a better picture?
4: Yeah, absolutely. I, I echo what what Professor Ivan said um, uh, earlier. Basically, COVID is a new disease. I mean, it started three three years ago, and and I think there are more to understand what really long COVID is. I mean, according to a lot of literatures, it includes two hundred uh, plus more symptoms. And as as he already mentioned that it, it should be at least three months after they got infected. It's a new symptoms. So, so we really don't know how diagnostically we found out, or how, how what what other treatment for some of these chronic fatigue syndromes that that a lot of people are suffering. Um, and in terms of this uh, recent study by by uh, Chinese university, mm. I, I think it's a little bit overwhelming to know that seventy percent of them actually suffer from one symptoms. Um, Because when you look at the the data from abroad uh, in United States, uh, actually they have quoted uh, data like 65, they're estimating 65 million worldwide people were infected with COVID. And they're expecting like around 10% of the infected people are having, having the long COVID symptoms. So I think, I think we really need to understand this disease to, to, to have more clinical research and trials to find out like, um, and, and then there's also maybe with these kind of survey, you have to have a control group who didn't have COVID and compare them. Mm. Otherwise it's, we have to take it with a grain of salt. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, yeah. This, this survey from Chinese you suggested that uh, more than 400,000 people were experiencing uh, some sort of uh, sexual dysfunction. I mean, um, uh, w- what's your sort of uh, uh, experience in medical practice? I mean, does that sound, that does sound like an, a lot. <laughs> yeah, that sounds uh,
4: a lot to me, but because I'm working in respiratory, I'm more concentrated right, right, in asking sure. questions mm-hmm. about uh, their respiratory symptoms like chronic cough, rhinitis, um, the or shortness of breath, those kind of symptoms, um, and and with our demographics, basically the Chinese population, they are more reserved. They might not volunteering these uh, these sympt- symptomatic. So I guess when they go on and systematically ask them about it on a survey, they might have mentioned some of that. So so I don't I don't get a lot of those uh, symptoms. Right, the people
3: turning up uh, in your. Office. They. What real symptoms have they got?
4: Well, a lot of them have chronic fatigue syndromes and they have cough, lingering cough, uh, chronic uh, rhinitis, runny nose, um, and and maybe some sputum productions alongside. So, um, so we tackle each symptoms and trying to to treat them. Uh, and, and find out whether really this is a chronic problem or before COVID or, or this is something that we, we can mitigate with, with allergy control or, or, or season control like to change the, the lifestyle.
3: Right, so you're seeing people with real problems and you're addressing those problems. Yes. But the degree I guess uh, of blame or responsibility we should put on COVID remains to be determined?
4: I think so. I think until more research that that can be done and and proven that these are totally re- like solely related to to COVID infections.
3: Because I I, I mm. just have a feeling, or it's, it's not a suspicion, because that's too strong a word. But I'm wondering really to what extent some of these things are psychosomatic, like Professor Hong was saying, that you know a person is still worried that he that he was ill and he's worried that he might get
4: Yeah, might get I, I, think, I think it did heighten a lot of people's alert in terms of, I think in general, people are more caring about their health and, and they are more willing to, to accept some screening or, or investigation of their symptoms rather than they, they put it off like before, before, before the pandemics.
3: Right. Mm-hmm. Professor Hong, what sort of research do you think we should be doing now to get to the bottom of this?
2: Well, I, I I think basically we need a uh, a longer term follow up and uh, uh, as as Dr. Raymond said, basically we 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 need a, a control group. It's basically someone uh, those who have not uh, been infected with COVID at, uh, for comparison uh, with those who have been infected with COVID, and and we we need perhaps a, a much larger. Uh, cohorts, in order to, to draw any kind of conclusions. Uh, but as said, it's very important to understand whether they have these baseline problems, uh, these uh, symptoms already before COVID, uh, and, and and not a new symptoms uh, as a result of uh, of of uh, in COVID infection. Uh, and as said, most of these uh, long COVID are patients. Who have a much more severe disease? That means that they have been hospitalized, and they have a much more severe infection compared to the others. Uh, especially among those who have, uh, you know, relatively elderly, uh, who have not been vaccinated fully, uh, and those who have not received antiviral treatment. So uh, those who have real long COVID are those who have a, uh, you know, uh, maybe they have a much more severe pneumonia. Uh, and as a result, they develop, you know, lung fibrosis. And as a result, they have a much more severe long COVID. Uh, of course, uh, we understand some of those who are younger the patient may develop uh, so-called chronic fatigue. Uh, but whether they are psychosomatic, again, you, you need a much more, um, you know, detailed studies yes. before we understand whether it's still too psychosomatic or really is the long fatigue,
3: right, uh, fatigue syndrome. Because when you're worried about something... Um it does affect your performance, not just sexual performance um so it could be the worry carrying over rather than a physical
2: uh, uh, absolutely absolutely yeah it, it's the worrying and 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 the change uh in terms of now you have to go back to work face to face and you know you you have to uh take off your mask uh, all these things that have you know uh not been happening for the last three years now that you have to you know you have to adapt to the new change. Uh, that, again, would exacerbate these kind of symptoms.
3: All right. Would You You mentioned, touched on the issue of government people setting an example. Can we have ministers not wearing masks outdoors, for example?
2: Yeah, you know, I think that will be um, one, one way of, you know, encouraging public not to wear masks. Uh, and even in hospitals... Um, we believe that, uh, you know, you should be wearing masks in the clinical areas, inside the medical ward, uh, inside the, uh, the elderly homes. But if you are outside in, in the public areas, uh, you know, even in hospital grounds, but it's outdoors or uh, it's, it's not in the clinical areas, you should not be wearing masks. Uh, and that's something that we could, you know, encourage uh, both our health workers
5: and the visitors to do that.
1: Mm. What about um on public transport let let 's let 's ask uh, uh Raymond so um on the m t r for instance i mean most of the passengers are still wearing face masks um, Is that a good idea in a, you know in a crowded space in crowded public transport
4: i i mean I usually believe like just leave it to the public to decide on their own because I mean, in, in a crowded place, some people feel uncomfortable. If you if you force them not to wear a mask, they will feel uneasy as well. So so I, I think in, in general, like if you're outdoor, there's no point of wearing it. But at the end of the day, I think it will just leave to their personal choices.
3: Yeah, I must say my experience on the MTR is that every time I get, I, I don't wear a mask on the MTR or, or on buses. I got, I got to <laughs> confess here, declare an interest, um, but I don't. Mock the people who do. Yep. I think it's this personal freedom That you're talking about. Exactly. Um, and uh, but I have noticed that I'm not the only one.
4: Yeah.
3: Put it like right that. And what's more, when a, a, a group get on at every stop, off and on, as they do in the MTR, um, there's always at least one other person in the next group coming on, who is maskless as well. So I take that as a sign that people are gradually adjusting.
1: Yeah,
4: I, I think it takes time because it's it's been three years. Uh, in the beginning when we were trying to s- steer people to wearing masks all the time and and now it's just like it takes some time for them to, to, to set back.
3: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we spent three years telling people, yeah. wear a mask or you'll die. You know, wear a mask or you'll kill mum. Okay. I mean, that was the tone of the government messaging. Mm-hmm. It's understandable when we wanted people to get... Uh, well, vaccinated and masked. But, um, yeah, it's going to take time to get out, get over that.
1: Mm. Okay. OK, we're also uh, joined uh, on the line uh, by Dr. Karatalan zaidi who's uh, a clinical psychologist uh, from uh, Mind and Life uh, Psychology Practice. So good morning to you. Good morning. Thanks very much for joining us. Uh, So just looking at at the results uh, of this survey, um, um, neuropsychiatric uh, symptoms uh, were apparently the most common. Um, 38% of uh, people supposedly with long COVID reporting poor memory, difficulty in concentrating, uh, insomnia, Uh, hypersomnia. I think that's where you feel tired all the time and and sleep uh, more than usual at night. Uh, I mean... um, as we were just uh, talking before with our other two guests how much of this do you think might be um uh, like uh, psychological or you know how much of it uh, is actually for real do you think it is all for real
5: it feeling it, it is for real yeah. <laughs>
1: but, but but how but, but how much how much would be a result of uh, having you know previously been infected with covid or or how how much could be down to anxiety or or you know other factors
5: complex uh, situation, so the preliminary findings of these studies are definitely showing that there is a it's it's not in isolation that it's only due to long COVID, you've also got to remember that in the last three years there are other pandemic related factors such as, you know, the social isolation, the loneliness, uh, the bereavement that people have gone through and uh, you know, uh, possible uh, occupational instability as well, so those are uh, additional factors that we've gone through over the pandemic, as well as we don't know whether there is a, um, a inflammation um, within our, um, uh, you know, uh, cognitive systems mm-hmm. that has an impact on this. So I, I feel there are more studies that are needed to be able to know whether it's only biology or it is psychology as well as biology mm-hmm. that's having an impact. Right. Uh, and I would I would assume that it is uh, both, a combination of both, as well as the environment that we've been in. So we speak about masks and not being able to take them off. Well, you know, maybe it is a safety mechanism that we want to protect ourselves still. Or uh, being able to take it off means what? And it is anxiety, absolutely. What I've seen in my practice certainly is that increased anxiety and um, being able to go out and uh, socialise—that was a big thing. Going from
3: being isolated at home to then being able to go out safely. Right. What? A, yeah. But your main point here is being that if whether it's there is a physical symptom or uh, maybe not a so visi- visible physical symptom, if the person is feeling it psychologically wise, then it's real because it's real for that person.
5: Agreed.
3: What's what's been the situation with respect to children, in particular?
5: With regards to the
3: children, um, in, in what way? Well, How I mean, they've been, been.
5: Development. They've been um. yes,
3: they've been slow to learn to speak because they haven't seen um, uh, yep. people's mouths moving or yep. cheeks moving. Um, they've maybe yep. not socialising as rapidly as they might for their age.
5: The children who were born are now three, three and a half, and they haven't, you know, uh, they haven't been able to see and go out and uh, interact like any other in the first three years of their any other children in the first three years of their life. Children who are two to five, you know, uh, haven't seen that interaction. And when I speak to the teachers in school, but going from primary school to secondary school, they do say that, uh, you know, children who were kind of, um, would be expected to be at 11 years are sort of at nine years of development socially. So it has had an impact on learning how to be able to uh, read the emotions, being able to learn to speak and being able to be around people safely. You
0: mm-hmm. so
5: that yeah. it is, it is that we are social people and we are we social animals and we want to be around people and these children are being isolated and that, so learning the social skills is something that I'm seeing more and more um, as, a, as a result of that
1: Okay. Right. Okay. Let, let's just uh, ask um, Ivan Hong, because I, I know you have to go at nine thirty. I mean, I mean, there's still COVID around. Obviously, uh, people are still uh, being infected. Uh, um, w- what should we be doing now at this stage to, uh, you know, to protect ourselves uh, to try and, uh, you know, prevent any further infection?
2: Well, I think very important is to um, make sure everyone has their vaccinations, uh, you know, uh, completed uh, at least three doses. Mm-hmm. Uh, for those who have, you know, uh, elderly about the age of uh, 65 uh, and especially those who are, you know, have chronic illnesses, uh, who uh, are compromised patients, then they are recommended to get a extra booster uh, six months from the previous infection or from the previous vaccination mm-hmm. uh, with the biobaline vaccine. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that will help them to protect. Uh, against severe diseases Uh, and of course uh, for these vulnerable individuals then uh, not only needing the COVID vaccine they also need the uh, influenza vaccination as well Uh, and um, if they are in you know uh, crowded areas then uh, they will be recommended to to, to wear masks. Uh, For the others who are you know healthy individuals who have already completed the vaccination then uh, simply, I think very much you can go back to to, to normal uh, and um, just make sure that you have your you know uh, your your personal hygiene, uh, washing your hands, uh, and if really needed, then you could wear your mask in the um, you know crowded areas. But otherwise, um, you know, as as has happened in, in two, after 2003 uh, SARS, it it will take a while before people will, you know, uh, gradually take off their mask uh, and and, and um, go back to normal. So uh, I think the main thing is, is to complete your, your vaccination, uh, both for influenza and for your COVID. Mm.
1: Okay, well, thanks very much uh, for speaking to us uh, on the program uh, this morning. Uh, That was Ivan Hung, a clinical professor at the Department of Medicine at uh, University of Hong Kong and a government advisor, of course. Uh, Our other two guests, uh, please stay with us. We're just going to take a a short break for a news summary in a moment. A quick look at the weather, mainly cloudy, one or two showers today. Uh, The uh, outlook is for uh, more mainly cloudy weather, um and more showers in the next few days it's currently 23 degrees humidity is at 88%
5: new
0: summary with Ben Che a welfare advocacy group has said the government needs a mechanism to set the minimum wage based on a percentage of the median wage. C. Lai Shan, deputy director of the Society for Community Organization, was speaking as a public consultation ends today on the government's proposal to raise the hourly rate to $40 from May. She says that's not enough. A research institute says global military expenditure reached a record high last year as tensions increased in several regions of the world. The military expenditure and arms production program at the Stockholm International Peace Research Institute said spending on arms reached $2.24 trillion in 2022. Meanwhile, increasing numbers of foreign diplomats have been evacuated from Khartoum, as the Sudanese army and a paramilitary group fight to control the capital. However, foreign civilians have been reporting difficulties in trying to leave Sudan. I'll have more news at 10. Extreme weather. Severe landslides.
4: A chain of disasters. Don't think this kind of disaster only happens in movies. In recent years, extreme weather has caused severe landslides around the world. So please, listen out for landslip warnings. If disaster strikes, everyone could be in danger.
2: We should cooperate with the government's emergency response plans. No matter how cool you are. No matter how popular the photos you shared on social media, once you take drugs, they will damage your physical and mental health or even ruin your life. Call 186-186 or send a message via WhatsApp or WeChat to
0: 98186186 to speak with us. We are here to help. Let's stand firm. Knock drugs out. You're
5: listening to Backchat. Call us on 23388 266 and have your say.
1: And welcome back to Back Chat with Mike Rouse and me, Jim Gould. And this morning, in our main topic, uh, we're talking about uh, long COVID. Uh, following a survey conducted by the Chinese University, uh, which found that um, many thousands of people, more than, f- for instance, more than four hundred thousand people, uh, may be suffering from uh, sexual dysfunction as one of the. Effects of apparent or one of the apparent effects of uh, long COVID. Others were like uh, psychiatric-type symptoms, uh, such as uh, people reporting poor memory, uh, difficulty in concentrating, uh, uh, slow thinking, insomnia. Um, We have uh, with us uh, Dr. Raymond So, who's a respiratory medicine specialist, uh, Dr. Karetalan Zaidi, who's a Hong Kong-based clinical psychologist from Mind and Life psychology practice. And also now joining us on the line is uh, Dr. Mike Kwan, who's a a consultant at Princess Margaret Hospital's uh, paediatric infectious disease unit. Uh, Dr. Kwan, good morning to you.
6: Uh, Good morning. Good morning.
1: So uh, what are your observations uh, from your work in the medical sphere as regards uh, uh, children and uh, uh, this uh, long COVID phenomenon?
6: And uh, I personally follow up uh, all my uh, children uh, recover from COVID. I I take the uh, WHO definition uh, of long COVID, that is the symptoms happen uh, three months after the Uh, recovery of COVID, Mm. and the symptoms persisted uh, more than 4 to 8 weeks. And uh, I follow up around 800 children, and up till now, around 60 of them uh, got at least one symptom, that is around uh, 78%, and 30 of them has uh, at least two symptoms, and around 10 of them got at least uh, three or more symptoms. So the number is not as high as in the CUHK uh, study, around 78% uh, of the children uh, got those long COVID symptoms.
1: Mm. Uh, and what kind of symptoms are they showing?
6: The most common symptoms, uh, including the persistent respiratory symptoms like cough, uh, runny nose, and some of them got the allergic rhinitis. And But the most worrying uh, uh, are those symptoms, including this uh, involving involving the central nervous system, like the memory loss, what we call the cognitive deficit, and also the headache. Uh, For example that affect their learning and also affecting their memory, and so those are quite worrying symptoms.
3: What What can we do to address those symptoms and improve things for the children?
6: and uh, when i encounter those uh, symptoms i will take a detailed history and also examination and as i i heard uh, some of the expert mentioned in the previous half hour and some of them may, may really due to some of the psychosomatic uh, effect and and in fact some of the family they may undergoing bereavement because some of the elderly uh, member may in fact pass away due to covid so this might have e- might have a uh, uh, effect on the children but I I find that in fact some of the symptoms in fact uh, may really due to the COVID. So I am working with uh, many different parties, and uh, for example, uh, with uh, uh, psych- psychologists and uh, psychiatrists, and also with neurologists in helping the evaluation and also uh, especially the, the rehabilitation of those children.
3: Right. How is the flu situation with, among the children at the moment that you see?
6: The, the not only flu, because uh, since we removed the mass mandate uh loss of the what we call the upper respiratory viruses, right. including the flu flu A and uh, the respiratory CTO virus, the adenovirus, enterovirus, the vinovirus, virus they infect uh, infect infect our children and uh, we 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 are admitting loss of children since uh March and also in April. And the number Increased markedly in these uh, two months, and right. so because the, the reason, in fact, we mentioned many times in the media, because in the previous three years, our our mask mandate and also our social distancing measures, our children have no chance in encountering those viruses, and they have no immunity to this uh, virus.
4: Right. So this
6: is why now, uh, when we re- remove the mask mandate and increase our uh, the the encountering of big uh, of uh, the people, these uh, these virus got infection uh, among our children populations.
3: Right. Mm. Maybe I can throw the next ball to Dr Zaidi. What can the government do to improve public morale which might help some people to recover faster? I think uh, being able to have
5: conversations like this is the first one, right? To be able to raise awareness that this is a real... That that's like, you know, there are people who have been impacted emotionally, psychologically, physically. And being able to create uh, venues and support groups, that's what's helpful in being able to talk about it. Because when you don't feel alone, um, it's important that you're part of the group and then you're able to overcome it.
3: Right. So you may have been feeling something at home on your own, thinking you were the only one. But hearing that there are thousands of other people going through a similar experience will help those people? Yes, it
5: usually does because, uh, you know, you're able to you don't feel isolated you
1: don't feel like you're the only one so it does make a huge difference. Um, Dr. So, uh, one of the recommendations of the uh, Chinese University survey was the uh, establishment of a a dedicated long COVID centre. Is that something that you would uh, go along with?
4: Well, I I think that would Definitely benefit. I mm. mean, the uh, the COVID patients because if you have a dedicated COVID clinic, so they can be concentrating and working out whether those are real long COVID or those are just like if someone had sleep apnea all these years, which was undiagnosed, mm. and then they have been chronically fatigued and sleepy. Then, then there is a good organic reason why they are they are that way. So, so I, I think that if if they have put putting some specialists in in terms of just focusing on the long COVID, that would then def- definitely benefit the the, the public.
1: Mm. Mm. Uh, and and what's your uh, experience with uh, uh, what uh, Mike Kwan was talking about just now Um, the fact that uh, well you know we mentioned masks earlier but the fact that there's no longer any mask mandate has that resulted in an upsurge of uh, respiratory infections
4: yes Mm. Uh, yes we have been seeing more patients with flu and also Mm. COVID Uh, they are now having the second round or second wave of of infections Um, usually they're Milder symptoms, but um, I mean, I have seen spectrum of patients because I, I also take care of patients in the ICU. So with the elderly, and and the COVID, it can get them really in trouble and have to go into the ICU and have have a lot of support. So I think what Professor uh, Home was just mentioning, having vaccinated, uh, especially having having um, your you're fully covered by the vaccination is it's important especially for to the vulnerable group and there are studies in 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 u.s. stating that having the vaccinations has 15 to 41 percent reductions in having covid long covid symptoms
3: uh, yeah yeah uh, dr joe I, it, was, it seems to be a, almost a, a loop here that we've got no immunity because we wore masks Yes. And so we're getting <laughs> sick, and then people are wearing masks to try and reduce getting sick. But well, that's just going to carry on. No immunity, isn't it?
4: Well, it's true. I, I think in the beginning of the pandemic, people we don't we didn't know what what it is and and what COVID is, what COVID was. So having the mask was just the the, the first barrier that you can offer yourself. And now, I guess after the like we're three years into it a lot of people were infected um, so actually if the kids like the the healthy immuno uh, intact people they should be not wearing masks and get exposed to all these different adenovirus uh, uh, rhinovirus uh, all these different viruses so they can get their autoimmunity to to gear up for for the future um, but for the vulnerable group, I mean, like 65 or above, or if they have uh, chronic illnesses, um, then then obviously they will benefit from some sort of vaccinations. And if they're in a crowded place, they should be putting on masks.
1: Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, Mike Kwan, uh, h- how long? does it take to uh, to build up uh, in, an acceptable level of immunity? Um, is it, do, are we talking about like months or or do children have to be exposed for years before they get it? And in uh, fact
6: uh, it it, 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 it takes to be six months. And in fact mm-hmm. if we develop immunity we need to encounter the infection. So mm-hmm. this is why immunisation is the most important. I can mm-hmm. tell the audience that this week, uh, the last week of April, is the World immunization week uh, by the sub ready So mm-hmm. I wanted like to take this opportunity to advocate the immunization to all the public that we should do a catch-up immunization. If we are not uh, finished our immunization with COVID or influenza, please go to keep, uh, have the vaccination as soon as possible. Because as Dr. Lo mentioned, the COVID, COVID vaccination... Can decrease the long COVID symptoms, and also flu vaccination is important for the vulnerable group like the elderly and also for the uh, infants.
3: Mm. Right, we've been talking about three vaccinations being sort of the benchmark and enough. Should we now be talking four or five?
1: How many? How many shots?
3: Yeah. How many shots should we have? In your in your recommendation, Doctor Kwan.
6: Yeah, for the for the healthy individual, at least three uh, shots for COVID at this moment. But for the immunocompromised and or those with chronic illnesses, uh, they need to have uh, one additional shot. And uh, uh, for example, uh, four doses, the fourth dose. And so, and uh, these uh, should be provided free by the government. But uh, regarding if for healthy individual, if they would like to have additional shots, this is uh, uh, this is in fact uh, okay, but. Uh, uh, if if in, in those circumstances they, they, they may need to uh, uh, do the payment by themselves,
1: okay. Mm, mm. Okay, okay. Well, thanks very much. Uh, just uh, actually, just one more question for uh, Dr. Zaidi. Dr. Uh, Karasalin Zaidi, Zady, you still with us? Okay, okay. No, I think uh, she's. Uh, no. Okay, all right. Well, thanks very much. Um, To our guests uh, for our main topic uh, this morning, Um, you just heard there from uh, Mike Kwan, who's a consultant at Princess Margaret Hospital's uh, Paediatric Infectious Disease Unit. Thanks very much to Dr. Raymond So, who's a respiratory medicine specialist, and earlier uh, Karatalan Zaidi, who's a a clinical psychologist from Mind and Life Psychology practice. Um, Just In a moment, uh, we're going to be turning our attention to our second uh, short topic, so don't go away. 95 years of public service broadcasting.
5: Stay tuned with Hong Kong. Hi, I'm Secretary for Housing Winnie Ho. Happy birthday to RTHK's 95th anniversary.
6: 95 years of public service broadcasting. Years. Stay, tuned. Stay, tuned. Stay
0: tuned with Hong Kong.
1: And uh, for the last uh, 10-15 minutes or so of this morning's programme, we're going to be turning our attention to some uh, uh, international recognition that's been uh, given to the Hong Kong Productivity Council uh, for uh, three of its uh, projects. Uh, We're going to uh, focus on one of them in particular. Um, We're now joined uh, on the line by uh, Yong Du, who's a general manager of the Green Living and Innovation Division of the Hong Kong Productivity Council. Uh, good morning to you. Thanks for joining us.
7: Hi. Good morning, everyone.
1: Yeah. So, um, so this is uh, a pretty uh, interesting stuff. Uh, uh, this particular area is uh, titled uh, uh, Shaping a Smarter Medicine Industry, and um, this was uh, uh, described as a novel packaging system and, and method. For a diversified shape and pack size of products in traditional Chinese medicine, and it was uh, it it received um, an award from the the International Edison Awards, the 2023 uh, Edison Awards, um, um, coming out. from almost um, four hundred entries um, worldwide, um, the Productivity Council won uh, one silver and two bronze accolades uh, in total. Perhaps, uh, could you tell us a, a bit more about this uh, um, Chinese um, medicine innovation?
7: Yeah, actually, I think that maybe it's better we start from what is Edison okay. Award because you know Edison Award honors the excellence in new product and service development. Marketing design innovations, you know, as an internationally recognized the program back to 1987. Mm. So the previous winners include Steve Jobs, Alan uh, mm. Musk, as well as other leaders. For example, you know, Coca-Cola, you know, mm-hmm. General Electric, General Motors, you know, mm. IBM, etc. So we are very proud that the Hong Kong Productivity Council this year we can you know get that uh, three awards. Uh, as you know on that international stage mm-hmm. so what you mentioned about that uh, you know novel packaging system for the traditional uh, chinese medicine industry is one of that you know uh, as a, uh, uh, as a, the achieved the engineer and the robotics has enhanced automation you know uh, as a bronze award so what we have been doing is that actually is originated from a pain point arise from our customers a very uh, repute, uh reputable chinese medicine manufacturing in hong kong with more than 126 years history with the unique uh, packaging uh, icon mm. in their uh, packaging uh, design and also manufacturing mm. so this, this we look into was, that case yeah. and tailor-made that solution for them mm-hmm. and that is uh, from mm-hmm. our view is a perfect example of how how hkpc we can tailor-made from the practical issues and turn into uh, a innovation that can run and to increase the productivity of the customers to support Mm -hmm. industry. Mm
1: -hmm. Yeah, so uh, yeah, this um, process involves three industrial robots, I believe, uh, uh, what's uh, described as nine vision systems. Can you tell us how it works?
7: Yeah, in fact, that uh, uh, that, uh, innovation has uh, consists of several key elements the dual industrial robot, the mm. scale robot, and the vision systems mm. to enable the high speed processing handling with the irregular packaging materials. That is the way that how we can maximize the productivity with the vision sensoring, you know, ensure quality and accuracy. That is the key of our innovation. Mm. So from that, the system can accommodate with more than 10 powder products and future additions adapting to uh diverse shapes sizes using vision and control so from that to vision control it can optimize the productivity and the quality through that automation and centering, mm-hmm. balancing the outcome and experience uh
3: mr mm-hmm. du good morning what can you yes. tell us about the body making these awards the, uh, people who said that you've done really well what, what can you tell the general public about them
7: uh you, you're talking about sorry okay can you Say again, yes, uh, you've got
3: you've got these awards from mm. somebody. Mm. Yes, what what mm. organization is that, and what can you tell
1: us this, about? This is called yes, this is a Edison Universe. Ah, yeah, that right. is
7: the background of the mm. Edison mm. uh, Awards. Right. The, the previous winners included the large companies, for example, the Coca Cola and also General Electric right. as the industrial leaders. Mm. Mm. So, yeah. so, to, so that's why I say you know HKPC were quite proud that this year have also received this uh, prestigious international award. Yes,
3: sure. Man, I'm, I'm, in line with the
7: other state, I know, leaders in the industry.
3: I've heard of the Productivity Council and a few of the things that you've done, although I think many members of the public haven't heard. Yeah. And, but I've never heard of this uh, Edison institute or, or whatever it is who, who, what gives think, them authority it's a, it's
1: a, and it's the first time the productivity council ha, have been uh, awarded uh, by the uh, edison Inst- isn't it
3: yeah. yes but i mean mm-hmm. who, who says that the edison institute is is great and good is it the united <laughs> nations or is it, it it's, it's somebody like that wow well,
7: uh edison award is originated from us as i mentioned that the mm-hmm. that uh, what award- the uh, scheme has been established back to 1987, so mm. almost uh, 50 years, uh, mm. 40 years, right? Yeah. So right. almost yeah. 40 years. Yes. So uh, uh, you know, across the border, I think that that has been a rec- a widely recognized uh, world scheme or mm. uh, as an international scheme because you see the previous winners; they are all including like Steve yeah. Jobs, you know, Elon El- Musk, uh, Elon yeah. Musk yeah. you know, as a Coca-Cola. So uh, yeah. that's why that the, all those. Uh, international companies—they mm-hmm. have joined that award competition. Right. Mm-hmm. So, so uh, some of them have been awarded. That's mm-hmm. why we say this is a mm-hmm. award scheme with a, a wide impact on mm-hmm. the industry. Mm-hmm.
3: Because of the industry accepts that these awards are meaningful. Yeah.
7: Yes, exactly, mm-hmm. and, and and also impactful to the industry. Mm-hmm.
3: Yeah.
1: Mm-hmm. So in terms uh, of this. Uh, technological uh, development, obviously uh, uh, the focus is on uh, productivity as well. Uh, I understand that um, uh, the system increases uh, packaging efficiency by six times mm. and then uh, reduces manpower demand by 90%. Mm. So, so w- w- what are the implications there for uh, for the industry?
7: Yeah, in fact, uh, that uh, means a lot to the, uh, to the uh, ch- traditional Chinese medicine mm-hmm. because you know, uh, as an as a example that the the industry can see that, uh, firstly, that uh, this innovation can demonstrate how technology can modernize uh, historical or historic uh, industry without comprising tradition. Because mm-hmm. when they were uh, contacted with the customer, what their pain points are actually that we have that uh, uh, symbolic uh, packaging, uh, uh, design which they will not compromise secondly they are facing a shortage in manpower to fulfill the quality requirements and thirdly that that is also the all the manufacturing process has to be in compliance with GMP the good manufacturing practices yeah. mm-hmm. so and what they have first in the history is that there was no such available uh, solution in the market can help them for that uh, telemade uh, solution so our success in innovating such a technology can, uh, you know, by demonstrating that efficiency and productivity increase uh, has indicated to the other uh, manufacturers in the same industry that innovation technology helps them, okay? So this is the first one. Second one is that this solution we have developed are highly uh, versatile and replicable which means that any GMP certified medicine makers producing such similar products can adopt the technology. And the methods can they can use to enhance their own operations. So in this way, this helps the wider industry progress together through shared learning and the benchmarking of impacts. Right. And secondly, I would say, the approach assures high quality, safety and accountability. Mm. So that means by conducting stringent string, stringent checks at each stage of those packaging process, the innovation guarantees ma- medicine reaching customers meet the highest standards, reduce waste or quality issues, compliance, you know, et cetera, mm-hmm. et cetera, But lastly, but lastly but not least, productivity management and the competitiveness improve through these optimized workflows. This innovation can increase packaging efficiency, you know, as you mentioned, uh, increase by six times and reduce the manpower by 90%. That can significantly improve the competitiveness of the manufacturers with right. their market extension. So that will inc- enhance the value through and gains the benefits both the bottom line and also customer experience.
3: Right. What other exciting areas is the Productivity Council working on at the moment?
7: Well, in fact, uh, Hong Kong Productivity, we are a multiple-discipline organization dedicated to to develop applied R&D into the industries, okay? Our point, our approach is pain-point approach, means that our expertise relies on how to integrate high-tech and practical solutions to address the, 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 the uh, actual operation pain points for the industry. So from our uh, side, that we have proactively promote new industrializations and in this way to deliver more values to traditional industries by leveraging, leveraging such kind of advanced technology. Mm-hmm. So to name a few, for example, the other two awarded the technology in the Edison Award include you know, use the AI to de- detect the surface quality defects in the construction industry. Another one is to use the industrial metaverse to combine, to integrate the physical and the virtual uh, production process for the industry. So that are a few areas that we, could, we are working with, with the, uh, adapting the advanced technologies.
3: Mm-hmm. Well, The message I'm getting from you is that you want, to see real problems and address those real problems.
7: Exactly. That's the key value or the key differentiations that uh, HKPC stands out with the others. Right. So we start from the, the, the true and actual problems and then by devel- developing the pr- pr- more pragmatic solutions for them.
3: Is that going to be a big future for the Council, in uh, especially as we integrate more with the Greater Bay Area?
7: Yeah, definitely. Uh, in fact, uh, HKPC has been dedicated for this uh, by years, but uh, as you have correctly mentioned, the HKPC may have behaved in low profile, so that uh, not uh, 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 many of the people heard about that. So we are going to promote our technologies, you know, leveraging, leveraging our expenses to the Greater Bay Area. That is one of our key focus areas.
3: Because I, I think a lot of people, as I say, I, I happen to know, through circumstances about the Council, but I rather suspect very many people don't. Well, well, per, well perhaps... perhaps, got to so get perhaps, the
1: message perhaps, out. Perhaps many more people will after this morning's programme. Yeah,
7: that's why that's, uh, we appreciate yeah. that the radio and the RTHK have the cause of that we can make the market hear our voice. Mm. And, yeah. and also because in the past that we have a close connection with the industry, with the manufacturing industry, but not so well known to the general public. So that's why the RTEHK and also other media partners can help, you know, to broadcasting that message Mm. to the wider community.
3: And getting the message to the Greater Bay Area, outside Hong Kong itself?
7: Yeah, yeah, we have, uh, actually we have a front offices in the Greater Bay Area in Shenzhen and Dongguan, and we are enhancing our ties with the mainland, uh, you know, organizations to, uh, to uh, adapt more uh, solutions from Hong Kong to uh, main GBA, but also on the other
1: side. Mm-hmm. Right. I, I know you like to work with uh, partners in the case of this uh, TCM uh, issue. Uh, if this this is a yun Tong medicine company. Uh, and uh, do, 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 how does it work? Do, do, you, do you approach partners or do people come to you and say, can we work together on
4: this project?
7: Uh, we, we do both ways. In right. fact, uh, 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 one way is that... Uh, because HKPC is a public organization, so we have an established reputation. So companies and people came to us, asked for help. Mm-hmm. This is one way. Another way that we have already proactively organized the different seminars, you know, industrial consultations, so that we invite those companies and trade associations to join us, to voice their demands to us, so that we can step in see how we can support them, uh, okay. and also in a better manner, in the earlier manner.
1: Okay, very interesting. Uh, thanks very much for speaking to us uh, on this morning's program. Uh, that was uh, Yong Du, who's General Manager of the Green Living and Innovation Division of the Hong Kong Productivity Council. Um, stay with us. We've got news summary coming up, um, followed by a brunch. Uh, thanks to our listeners. Thanks very much to you, Mike. Yes. See you next time. Great time. T- great time. Okay.